Today we are celebrating creation and all that God has made. It makes sense that following Jesus' resurrection from the dead, we would celebrate creation. These two things are very connected, even though they may not seem quite true on its surface. See, Jesus' new life means something for all of us. The disciples knew it was special, but it took years for them to flesh out its meaning for Christianity and for the world. By the end, they understood that Jesus raised from the dead meant we too will be raised from the dead. The creation that seems alive and then inevitably dies isn't just doomed to death. Resurrection means we will all one day be made fully alive. We will experience a new heaven and a new earth. The earth will be remade. Creation itself will not suffer death. It will be made new. So we celebrate. Jesus' resurrection is not just good news for the disciples back then or just good news for us here today. It is good news for everyone and everything. The challenge for us is to see and live into our role in this good news. How do we live as a part of this new creation? Let's hear our scripture for today from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. This is the fourth appearance of Jesus by John's count, and Jesus is talking to Peter, who denied Jesus three times just before his crucifixion. Hear now the word of the Lord. After these things, Jesus showed himself to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said, said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, 
Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything you know. You know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And from 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you now to join me in our prayer preparation. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. I have always been a nature enthusiast. This past week my was my birthday, and my wife, Emily, asked me, what do you want to do for your birthday? And my answer was quite simple. I wanted a walk in the woods. Since the shelter-in-place orders, I haven't been more than a couple of blocks from my home, and not among nature other than the Pascac Brook, which is just a few blocks from my house. What I really missed was going deep into the woods, hiking up mountains and looking down into the lakes. I'd assumed that state and national parks were closed, but because it was my birthday, I decided to look it up. Turns out parks uh, are open, but they have several restrictions and basically tell people to keep their distance from one another. So after 33 days of what Emily calls COVID lockdown, I finally escaped to the great outdoors. It felt so good to be out there. I pulled up a map, found a spot I wanted to go to, and set out on my way. Now, this was nothing like a few years ago when I was dropped off by my wife to hike through the park. That time, it turned out, I started from the wrong location, forgot my water bottle, and spent the entire day hiking across the length of the park. I eventually emerged into a suburban neighborhood where my wife rescued me from my own stupidity. This time, I was never too far from my car, but I did enjoy blazing my own trail toward an old abandoned nickel mine near Grape Swamp Mountain. To me, this time in nature is invaluable. It makes me feel happy. It makes me feel grounded and glad to be alive. I think nature itself is a treasure. But it's not just because it benefits me. I know it benefits my kids, too. There was an article that just came out about the rising number of children who suffer with allergies. We still don't quite know what's behind a four-fold increase in the last few decades, but there are a couple of guesses. One guess is that we are too clean. When we aren't exposed to enough microbes out there, then our body sort of freaks out and identifies very minor problems as big ones and attacks our own bodies. Another guess is that we aren't getting enough vitamin D. Vitamin D is thought to help our bodies develop a healthy uh, immune response. That means you'll have less allergies. Vitamin D is easy enough to get. Just spend more time in the sun. But surprise, surprise, Vitamin D deficiency has doubled in the U.S. in the last decade. Why? Because people are spending more time indoors. Though these are just theories, they point out how important it is to go outside, to be in nature, and experience firsthand the creation which God himself called good. 
Many of you are familiar with the creation story of how God formed the light and darkness, seas and sky and earth, the plants and animals. Then finally, as the crown of creation, humans who were given responsibility to care for all that God had made. I was raised with the word dominion. We were given dominion over the earth, which makes it sound like we are kings and queens ruling over our kingdom and get to do whatever we want with it. And now that's close, but it's missing a really important idea in how we rule over the earth. We are not kings or queens responsible to no one else. We are more like governors or stewards, ultimately responsible to the one true king. We rule the earth for someone else on behalf of God. That means we can't just do whatever we want. In this world, we have to take care of it the same way that God would take care of it. The rest of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation helps tell the story of how it is that God would have us take care of the earth. Should we build it up? Should we burn it? Should we ignore it? We see answers to these questions throughout scripture. The story starts in the Garden of Eden. It's idyllic, seemingly perfect, but Adam and Eve are cast out. Is the goal then to get back into the garden, to destroy human culture so only nature is left again? No, we we see the people of God building a tabernacle, a home for God, and then a more permanent temple. After it's destroyed, a, a different kind of answer bubbles up. It's not a physical temple we are building for God. It is a spiritual one. God lives in each one of us. And we can prepare a space in our hearts and in our lives for God. Now that doesn't mean the space around us doesn't matter. In fact, I would argue it means the world around us matters even more. A few years ago, my beloved dog, a a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel named Teddy, he died. Uh, He died at home and we ended up burying him in our own backyard. We invited some of our children's friends over and had what had to be the cutest funeral the world has ever seen. Then we planted a tree and flowers on top of his grave. Now, I know Teddy is no longer with us. I know he's not alive. But in many ways, he lives in my heart. I carry the memory of him with me. So what do you think that means for that grave, for that tree and those flowers? Does the fact that my dog is not alive in that place mean I care for the space more? Or less. Of course, I take the very best care of it. The same is true of God. He doesn't live in a building or a temple. He lives in you and me. What do you think that means for how I take care of others in this world? I think this was essentially Jesus' point when he was with Peter after his resurrection. As the disciples were fishing and catching absolutely nothing, Jesus tells them to cast their net to the right, and they have a huge haul of fish. It's so big they stop and count how many they've got, 153. They sit and eat together when Jesus speaks to Peter, who had previously betrayed Jesus. When it mattered most, Peter did everything wrong. A woman, soldiers, and a slave all ask if he is a a disciple of Jesus who is on trial. And Peter, he denies it over and over again, saying he is not one of the disciples. 
and then the rooster crows. A couple of years ago, I was in North Carolina on a vacation. Our family took a tour bus in downtown Raleigh. As we drove around, we passed several churches, and at one point, the tour guide asked if anyone knew why there was a rooster symbol on the top of the church. Everyone turned and looked at me, and unfortunately, I did not know the answer. I was sure it had something to do with Peter, but that's it. That's all I knew. Uh, Turns out, roosters became the symbol of Christianity in the first millennium. It was a sign of how we can all fall. We can all fail. We can all turn away from Christ, just like Peter. But what really matters is what we do next. Jesus asked Peter if he loved him three times, and each time Peter said, yes, he loved Jesus. And a lot of people would say in that moment, Peter was restored from the failures earlier. And Jesus' directive to Peter is very clear. He tells him to feed God's people, to take care of them, to make sure they have what Jesus himself would provide them. Shortly after that, Jesus, he ascends into heaven, and it's just the disciples and this growing group of Christ followers. What is he supposed to do? Jesus is no longer with them. He's not in a building or a temple. Yet, Jesus' command is clear. If you love me, take care of my people. You know, the coronavirus has changed many things in our world. One of the things that has become abundantly clear is how dependent we are on other people. We don't have food and clothing and medicine without people doing the hard work of making sure it's there for people. But we've also seen something else, that the way we treat the world around us has a direct impact on the people around us. If we use abusive practices in our farming It's not just the animals that get hurt, it's people too. If we dump toxins into the earth, we know it doesn't just go away, it injures and kills people. Taking care of the people is not a narrow thing. It doesn't mean we just think about the people in front of us and nothing else matters, no one else matters. We have to think about the world around us. We have to think about the interactions between the people and the land. How every action we take affects others. What we buy matters. What we say matters. What we do matters. The earth is the Lord's and it is our job to watch over it. Over the land, over the animals, and over the people. But more than that, God is at work in and through this world. Our love for God is expressed in how we take care of the world because God is in the world. Even if you've fallen short before, if you've wrecked something, destroyed something, even if it's a a person that you've injured so deeply, Jesus stands ready to welcome you back like Peter. God stands ready to receive you and to say to you just like he did to Peter, Feed my sheep. Take care of the sheep. So I invite you, take that step of caring for the world around you. Because 
That's where God is. He is in this world around us, already before us. There are all kinds of ways we can take care of uh, people and the environment around us. In a moment, we are going to share with you some ways that you can be engaged in this important work of loving Jesus' people, caring for the people around you. But first, let me share a quote from one of my favorite authors. This is Fyodor Dostoevsky. He says, Love all of God's creation, the whole of it, and every grain of sand. Love every leaf, every ray of God's light. Love the animals. Love the plants. Love everything. If you love everything, you will soon perceive the divine mystery in things. Once you perceive it, you will begin to comprehend it better every day. And you will come at last to love the whole world with an all-embracing love. This is our goal, a divine love for God, for the people, and for the whole world. Amen? Amen.